looking at ourselves, right, and not liking what we see. Uh, uh, how many have experienced that? How many, how many times do I, I'll be driving down the road and say, man, oh, man, you know, uh, just like God, uh, I, I don't know how you do it, you know, and, 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 but the reality of it is what, what God desires of us, what the Scripture says is that we behold His image in a glass, the image we're supposed to be looking at is not our own reflection because it is not pretty, typically. I mean, there may be a point in your life that you think you're all that, but time will take care of that. It does. And, and, uh, and again, there's nothing wrong with, with natural beauty, but eventually that, that fades into something different. But, but there's also a time in our life that we can think we're all of that just because, you know, our strength. And, but, but time takes care of that. And, and I'm, I hope, you know, God would bless you with the um, experience of humility to realize that, man, <laughs> when, when uh, the writer of the epistle says that in me dwelleth no good thing. That, there's a lot of truth to that. <laughs> You know, and, and so if you're looking at your own image all the time and you're trying to improve on that uh, uh, and you're trying to reach some religious uh, uh, station, or, you know, with God is in your own human goodness, it never, it will never work. But if you're looking at Jesus and you allow yourself to be changed into that image, the Bible says, from glory to glory. Never, never looking at yourself, but looking at him. If, if I'm looking at myself, as some of you are doing here today, and what April testified about, what, what I see is my past failures, where I've come up short every time, where I'm not approved, where I could never be good enough. But if I'm looking at his image, what I see is the grace of God. I see the power of God. I see the forgiveness of God. I see the love of God. And, 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 and no longer am I trying to be the best me. I don't have to be the best me. But I can be I. This is reality, folks. I can be like him. And when I, when I that is my pursuit, being like him gives no flesh any right to glory. And so... That the idea, there's some that I want to dispel or, uh, you know, clear up the, 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 th- the wrong thinking. Do you realize that wrong thinking re- leads you in the wrong direction? It, it really does start with the way you think. There's some people that because of the way they think, they would never even put themselves in a position to hear what God has to say. You're here today. Thank the Lord you're thinking clear enough that you're saying, I want to, I want to hear what God has to say. But then there are times, how many times in your life has God tried to speak a word of truth into your life, but because of the way you think, you reject it. Anybody ever reject what God's trying to say? I did. I have. 
And I probably at some point in my life right here, right now, not probably, I'm, I'm, I'm still being led in, into all truth, right? You, there's some, again, there, you're wrong thinking if you think you have it all. I know it all. You can't add to me. Okay, good. But what happens in our lifetime, we are led by the Spirit. He'll lead and guide us into all truth. We seek Him. What that does for us is it keeps a, that spirit of humility because God uh, uh, gives grace to the humble. He resists those that have it all. He re- if you have it all, you don't need Him. Right? So, uh, so just I, I, want you to, I want your thinking to be challenged. Right? I'm not, you know... You don't check your brain at the door and say, well, think whatever the preacher says. That's not true. But, but let your thinking be challenged by his word. And, and, and by that, God gives us the ability to change what some of you are thinking that if God wants me to change, he'll change me. You know what? You have a responsibility in change. You and I both have uh, a, a responsibility to one to behold his image, and then the change that takes place is because of the direction that we take. How many believe God's will is for you to be blessed? How many believe that? I believe that. I, I absolutely believe that God's desire, the, the, the rub with that is what I consider blessing and what he considers blessing may be two different things. Right? Sometimes we think we get our mind all caught up in humanity and carnality and, and equate that to blessing. But God has blessings that, that sometime in our lives appear to be struggle, but yet they bless us. So, I want to pursue his blessings. Right? I want to, you know, whatever he's got for me uh, in my life, I, w- I want to accomplish everything I do. Say, is it possible? Well, I'm, I'll let you know when I get there whether I did it or not. But my pursuit, it, there's some that you, you, you're letting life just slip by and, and think, well, if, if, you know, something, if, you know, you're sitting at the train station waiting for your ship to come in. Right, thinking that oh, you know, uh, you know, I'm just—it's just going to come to me. It doesn't just come to you. It—it's something that we have to take an active role in. In your pursuit of God. And, and that desire to be changed is something that we have to take a personal responsibility to. Let me read this in Second Timothy, chapter two. And starting at verse number 19, it says, Nevertheless, God's uh, uh, solid foundation stands firm. I don't care what the world's doing. God's foundation will always be firm. I don't care what uh, the latest cultural, you know, norm is. God's foundation will always be firm. It's something that you can build your life on, and it, doesn't, it does not shake. It doesn't crumble. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, having this inscription, The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord must turn away from unrighteousness. That's comforting. God knows who's His. 
I don't know everybody that's his. I, I just, you know, so what, do I, what have I got to assume? I got to assume that God wants to save everybody. That's just the assumption I live under. I mean, it's not his will that any should perish, right? You know, there's some people that, uh, you know, scoundrels. Some of you. That God has saved. I thought I wouldn't have saved him. No, the reality, you know, the idea we want to pick and choose, God's grace is just all-encompassing, and he knows who's his, and we don't. We realize, I mean, I can, I can judge, I can and have a right to judge, not judgment eternal, but the assessment of somebody's, the fruit of their life, is it the fruit of the Spirit? Is it, is it carnality working? And there's some people that are living in, in absolute carnality right now that are still His. They're still His. And, and, they're, and God's in the process of that sanctification and bringing them into a place of, of liberty where they're going to pursue Him. But I believe with all of my being that that liberty that God has for each one of us, it's something that we pursue ourselves. It's not something that just is, okay, God, you're just going to, uh, you know, I'm going to flee unrighteousness because you're going to just... Give me that desire to do every right thing. Well, you know what? I've been doing this a long time. And uh, there's still desires in there that are not to do the right thing. And those desires I have to battle, just like every one of us. And and I have and in scriptures like this it says it says the Lord knows those who are His and everyone who names the name of the Lord must turn away must turn away it's it, from unrighteousness that is, that is not a one time event it's something that every week every day some of you every hour it's like man there's a battle that's going on where it used to be we gave ourselves to it without even a thought. But today it's like, no, I'm going to fight that thing. Sometimes we don't win the battle, but it doesn't stop us from fighting that thing. Come on, somebody, you know, this idea of fleeing unrighteousness is not like, okay, today I'm not going to do anything unrighteous ever again. Yeah, okay. You know, how many times have I said that in my life? Right? But, but what it is, it's just like I was talking to somebody about forgiveness the other day. You know, uh, forgiveness is the default setting of my life because I've made a decision to forgive. And so what happens when the, the, that unforgiveness or that act that was done against somebody I love or the, the hurt comes up again and the pain is there and the vengeance is renewed well, but I thought you forgave it. No, forgiveness is the default setting. And so when that comes up again, and it's like I want to kill somebody, I said, wait a minute. You've forgiven. Back up. Back up. Because forgiveness is your covenant promise. I've made that promise to God. God, I'm going to forgive it does not stop those every once in a while a memory or something, and it comes right there. There it is again. Well, you haven't forgiven. Yes, I have. 
Why is it still there? Because I need to beat it back down where it belongs. It's not a big deal. Sometimes you get so condemned. Well, why is it there? I've already... Because we live in the flesh and it'll always show up. Sometimes at the most inopportune moments. But I'm going to flee unrighteousness. That's the default setting of my life. But all of a sudden, bam, there it is. It's like, what do you do? I've got a covenant with God that I'm going to flee unrighteousness. Well, but you fell. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to make a home for it. I'm not going to say, okay, now that I failed, now like, look at my ugly self in the mirror. I'm going to say, Jesus, I see you. I see the blood covenant that you secured for me. I see your forgiveness. I see your unconditional love. And I'm going to get up, and I'm going to leave that thing behind. And then whether it's an hour or ten hours or two weeks or two years, bam, there it is again. What do you say? What do I say? I say, I've got a covenant with you that I'm going to flee unrighteousness. And if I fail today, I'm going to get up and I am going to leave that thing behind. Some of us have been fighting things for decades. And you've let it make you feel condemned or unworthy. And I'm telling you, what happens when you're fleeing unrighteousness is it's not, he is perfection, we're not. But it is the direction that you're, you're, you're covenanting. You, you've made that covenant with God. Quit thinking. And he, here's, here's what the enemy does. He makes us feel like we are not worth anything. That we're not capable of anything. Because he's constantly bringing up these things. When, when in the presence of God, have you ever had him condemn you once? That's stunning. Anytime he's ever talked to me, it's like, well, it's like, oh, I, you know, my daddy used the corporal punishment. I hope yours did too, not in abuse, but because it's appropriate. Do you know the Bible says you, if you uh, spank a child, he won't die? You know what it says that? That's why God put the padding where it's supposed to be. No, and I realize there's abuse out there, and that's wrong. You hit your kid in anger, that's wrong. But, man, you give them up one side, the back side. My dad didn't have to do that too much, and when he spoke, I moved. It's like, okay. And, and, and so God knows how to correct us. Never in abuse. He's never abused me one time or never spoken to me when I've heard his voice in condemnation. But, man, we hear that condemnation a lot if we're listening in the wrong direction. And it keeps us, that voice keeps us from changing. And and I'm here to tell you what, God desires for us to be changed into his image and that his glory would be revealed in us. So let let me finish the scripture text. It says here, now in a large house... There are not only gold and silver bowls, but also those of wood and clay, some for honorable use and some for dishonorable. Think think about the context of this verse. 
The foundation stands firm. The Lord knows who's our head. Those that are His turn away from unrighteousness. And then He goes into this analogy of of in a large house, there's there's a, a gold and silver bowls, but also wood clay, and some for honorable use, and some for dishonorable. There are some, you know, get Grandma's fine china out and feed the chickens with it. See what she's going to say, right? You know, there's some, there's some stuff that's set aside for men, you know, companies coming. And, and, all, and then there's stuff that's just, they're garbage cans, but they serve a purpose, right? So there's, there's vessels in the house for honor and for dishonor. He says, listen to this. So if anyone purifies himself, from anything dishonorable. He will be a special instrument set apart, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, I'm going to tell you a prayer that I have prayed for literal decades. Father, I want to be a vessel of honor. I want to be something prepared for your good work. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this again for those of you that think, well, we're talking works-based salvation. I'm not even talking about salvation. I'm talking about allowing your life to be used by the Master today. Unfortunately, and I'll get back, unfortunately, what religion has done over the decades for too many is all we have been doing is selling fire insurance. Call on the name of the Lord, and you're going to avoid eternal damnation. I'll tell you what, it's a good idea to avoid eternal damnation. Nothing wrong with that. You know, and I do believe that there are going to be those that are just going to make it. The Bible says so. Their works here on earth are going to be burned up. But that's not what God has called us to. He's called us to be vessels that He can use. Vessels of, of honor for honorable use that he, that, he can, that he can put into play. Now, here is the deal, okay? Some of you think your life is absolutely meaningless. The truth of it is, your life is going to have some meaning. It's either going to be for honor or dishonor. Are you a vessel that God has uniquely put here right now. And there is not one of us that our life does not interact or touch somebody else. True or not true? You can try to be a hermit. You can try to isolate yourself. But even in that isolation, you're hurting others around you. Right? People that could be loved by you, that could be lifted up by you, that could be encouraged by you. I am here to tell you this morning, not making a choice is making a choice. He said, well, I'm not going to get involved. You're involved. Honey, sorry, sir. I'm going to sit on the sideline. There is no sideline. There's one life. And there, there, you get to make your, you get to, I believe that God has given us the ability to make that choice of what kind of vessel that we're going to be used to be in this world. 
I, I'm gonna do. You say, well, you know, unless I'm gonna play a big part, I want to be a 55-gallon drum, or I want to be this huge vessel that, eh, you know, you know, I don't. We get to play the part that we're in, and and and, and we get to. We, we get to uh, uh, choose. If we're going to live a life of selfishness, then what ends up happening is we become a vessel of dishonor. But if we choose, if we choose, God, I, I want to uh, uh, walk in, in, in a covenant with you, and I want to be established so that, that, um, that righteousness is my pursuit. I'm going to tell you when you pursue when you pursue righteousness your children are blessed. Your grandchildren are blessed. Your husband is blessed. Your wife is blessed. The people around you at work are blessed when you pursue righteousness. You become that and it's not self-righteousness. It's God, I want to walk in covenant with you and then man oh man he flows through he works through us. Does he work through us? He wants to. But when there's unrighteousness that prevails in a life of those that are called, what happens is you covered up by being so spiritually haughty that nobody can stand you anyway. Or, or you're so condemned you never operate where God would have you operate. And all they see is this, you know, Somebody just not, not, not feeling like they're worth anything. It's like, and I'm just saying, get past yourself here. Look at the glory of God. And then, and then make that covenant that I'm not going to let unrighteousness reign in my life. I'm going to continually battle it every day of my life so that he can use me. I got up this morning expecting to be used. Well, you're the pastor. You're this holy man. You know what? I am holy because he has made me holy. But I know me. Right? And, I, and I'm not, I don't play any game. I'm not different one day to the next or at home play a different game than when I'm here. But I just know me. I know but for the blood of Jesus. But, but for that, the power of his spirit in my life, I just... I know that, but this also I know, that I get to make a choice whether I'm going to be used and whether it's going to be honorable or dishonorable. I get that choice. And by you saying, I'm, I'm not going to choose either, you, you've already chosen one. True or not true? Okay. I'm almost done then, as long as you agree with me. Here's, all right, I got to tell you this. We had a great... Uh, staff meeting, and I learned a new word. What, the, what are you guys like? What's he going to say? Okay, hang on. It's coming. Concretize. Concretize. That's what I said. Paul told us that. I think he made it up. Okay, but it's okay for Paul to make them up. When I make them up, it's different. When something concrete, when it becomes concrete, when it goes from this, you know, fluid state, all of a sudden it's, it's solid, it's concretized. 
Okay? You got that? I'm going to use it over and over. But there's, and we're talking about faith and belief. Faith is this thing that we're hoping for. Belief is that uh, concretized experience of our life that faith has brought us a solid foundation. My belief is unmovable. Because it's based on what God has already done. Some of you have not, you've not had it, that solid foundation. The foundation of God is firm. It's, you know, you're always, you're always in God, we walk by faith. We live by faith. There's that hope that's out before us. But the experience of my life, the power of God, it's real. This is not some religious idea. This is the reality that Jesus died, rose from the dead, poured out his spirit, and he saved me. He changed me. And because I gave my life to him and in and, and that pursuit of him, just you know, it's brought about a solid foundation in my life. I've been concretized. Some of you are in the process of concretization. <laughs> I hope that's a word. You know, for you that are new, you'd have to be here for the years. They, I got a whole new dictionary of words I've made up. <laughs> but the idea of that sure and, and concrete belief in, uh, in, in my life, a reality. You say, well, wow, you know, you're special. No, you're, no, no. That, that's, that's us. You, you can have, if you're not there yet, doesn't make you less than, you know, believe him and watch what he does. Believe him. Don't just think a thought, just start believing him and see what he does. But, but here's, here's a part of this faith uh, thing that we're walking in that needs to be concrete in our life, that needs to change to a belief. This idea that God is going to do some kind of works external, outside of us doing it. I'm here to tell you God wants to use the likes of you and I to bring about the kingdom of God on this earth. And it's not going to happen with a bunch of vessels of dishonor. True or not true? If God's going to pour out his glory, he's, he wants it to be something that's a vessel of honor. God wants to use me. How many know that? God, wants, God wanted to use you? Quit looking at yourself. Look at him. Right? Make a covenant that I'm going to change into what I see. Jesus, how do I look at it? Well, it's a good point. You come to church. This isn't the church. You get together as the church, the body of Christ. Hear the word of God. Read his word. Pray a little bit. Pray a little bit more. And, and, and just God's going to direct you into a true image of who he is. And then you make that commitment, God, I want, I want to change. I want to change. How many times have I said that? I've got, I've got to change. I want to change. And I, that change is incremental. That sanctification is a lifelong pursuit for me, but it's something I've, I've, that's what I'm following after. 
And as that transpires, God will use you and I as vessels. And so, let's see if I got one or two. One more. Listen, look at this. I, I just, I love this. In Acts chapter 3. Oh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I wasn't looking at my clock. I just, just want you to know. <laughs> Acts chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now Peter and John were going up together to the temple complex at the hour of prayer, three in the afternoon. They're, they're in Jerusalem. There's a huge temple complex, and they're going up there to pray. Right? Peter and John were disciples. This was after the death, burial, and resurrection, Acts chapter 3. This is after Jesus died, buried, showed himself to everybody. It was, this is after the day of Pentecost when the Holy Ghost was poured out. Peter and John were like, this was all new. But man, were they excited. I mean, the one that they were following, they watched him die, and then three days later he walks into a room without even opening the door and said, here, go ahead. Put, put your fingers right there. That's me. It's me. It's me. I'm telling you, it's me. I, I tell you what, that would trip my trigger. That would flip my switch. I, I would be like, oh, it doesn't get any better than that. This guy overcomes the grave. I'm going to follow him, right? You know, that same excitement ought to be in us. Well, I, I didn't see him. I don't need to see him to believe that. I believe the testimony of those that saw him. And that belief in my life, it first started out as faith, but now it's firm. Thus, you've been concretized, right? That's what happens. God, I love that word. So Peter and John... They're, they're, they're on a foundation that's flat out solid. They're not, the, you know, you would look at them three or four months ago or, or, you know, six weeks ago. They're like, whoa, what's going on? But all of a sudden, bam, I got it. I don't have it all, but I got it. I got enough to walk for the day. You don't have it all, but you got enough. And so, so he says, uh, they're going to the temple of the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame uh, from birth was carried there and placed every day at the temple gate called Beautiful so he could beg from those entering the co temple complex. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple complex, he asked for help. Beggar asking for help. Peter, along with John, looked intently... Uh, looked at him intently and said, get this, you know what he said? Look on us. Most people, oh, we got to look to Jesus. I, I, we got to look to Jesus. But they had the guts. They had the gall to say, you know what? We have the answer. They, they just had the, that, their, their belief was so solid that when this man looking for help, they looked at him and said, hey, hey, whoa, 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 look at us. I'm going to tell you what God is going to do in the day that is before us. He's going to call a bunch of people to come out of unrighteousness, 
and, and, and to be steadily looking at him. And, and he's going to change us into his image, and he's going to put us out in the streets as vessels of honor. And they're going to be able to look at us and not see addicts, not to see people filled with jealousy and rage and anger, not, not see uh, somebody just so weighted down with the unforgiveness of their abused past. They're not going to, they're, they're going to see vessels that are so similar to Christ that they're going to call us Christians, not because we've labeled that ourselves, but because that's who we act like. And there ain't one of us going to say, look what I did. It's going to be because we just keep looking. They said, look on us. And he said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. He reaches down in the name of Jesus. He lifts that guy up, and the guy walks. And notable miracle, that's awesome. I believe God does that. He can do it. But I'm telling you what, I think the, the, the miracle before the miracle was the belief in those men, just in the solid, firm belief that I, they can look at me. They can look at me and receive the gifts of God. Ooh, that's bold. They can look at us and know that God's gifts are going to flow through us. Stand with me. Well, as usual, I have more to say, but I'll save it for a later date. But what the scary thing was, when I got here this morning, the internet was out, and I didn't even think I was going to be able to preach, but we made it. I know we didn't get this do it online and it'll come on later, but isn't it crazy how dependent we become on something that's come into our lives so recently? But thank God uh, that His Word just, uh, it can touch our lives. How many of you heard from God this morning? Come on. How many, and I'm not, it's like, oh, wow, aren't you some, if I didn't believe that God was going to speak, I'd surely want somebody else to speak. If he wasn't going to use me, I want some, I don't, I don't need to get up here and hear myself. But we're in a day when we need to hear the voice of God. We need to hear what he's saying to the church. He's told those churches in Revelation, he that has ear to hear, let him hear. I know, wow, pastor, great. Great message and new words, all kinds of great stuff. But it's totally useless. If you walk out of here and forget what I said, or forget what God spoke to you, there's some of you that He's calling out of unrighteousness. He's calling you to make a choice. So I can't. I've tried before. You're looking at yourself. Look at Him. Watch what He can do. Try to be like him and watch what happens to you. You try to be a better you, you're going to fall every time. There's some of you today that he's calling you just, not out of unrighteousness, but to just look at him first. Some of you have never even looked. That's a bunch of religious gobbledygook. No, it's not, man. 
It is the most solid thing that you can base a life on is the reality of the resurrection, the power of God. And if you look to Jesus, look to Jesus. I, I don't even, you know, I, I can't just take the time and, and look toward him and then let him direct you little by little. See how your life can change. Not in one fell swoop, but man, in that just that first step and direction. So, Father, I speak your grace and your favor. I speak your divine intervention in each one of our lives. I, I speak that righteousness not, that's not born of our good works, but it's born by, by, the, by continually looking to you. Your healing and your deliverance, your wholeness. God, I speak your great goodness upon us. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, if you've prayed any of those prayers, just lift your, your heart. It's got to be your words. It's got to be the confession of your mouth. As we sing this song, we're going to pray together. If you have any need, if you have a need of healing, we believe that God heals. If you need to be encouraged, come on, let, let somebody help you and just pray with you. And so we're going to pray together as we sing. In Jesus' name. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come.